0: I can see your cats. Because one of the cats, that one that you saw, jumps up here to get to her bookcase up there. So hopefully that won't happen during the episode, but no guarantees. <laughs> Welcome to The Writer and the Critic, a monthly podcast devoted mostly to books, reviews, and whatever else takes our fancy, which at the moment is not too much. I'm your host, Kirsten McDermott. With me is Ian Mond over in sunny Melbourne. Hello, Ian.
1: Hello. Uh, that's me. And uh, oh my God, it's freezing. I assume it's colder where you are.
0: It is so cold. It is so, 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 so cold. Has this it snowed? Week. Uh, it snowed allegedly. Jason said he saw it out his office window last week for like five minutes, just just flurries, you know. And I said, well, probably wasn't snow. It was probably just f- like frozen rain. He said, isn't that snow? And it's like he had a point. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, fair enough. Let's yeah, yeah, it, it probably snowed. But just very, very briefly, didn't like melt it as soon as it hit the ground.
1: So I should note for people who don't live in Australia that the temperature, mm. or at least in Melbourne, It's eleven degrees here now, which is fifty-two Fahrenheit. So we're we're um, about
0: nine, nine, eight, nine today and this weekend. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so for a lot of people, that's actually for a lot of people, that's actually not cold. I just want to say that winter. Yeah, and
0: and for and for a lot of people, it is as cold as you can possibly even think of. So let's not worry about
1: relativity here. No, but I do. It is cold
0: for Australia. It is cold, and it is cold for Australia because we historically. still historically we still in well historically but also you know in in 2022 we still consider ourselves and half of us are a very sunny warm subtropical country but once you get below Brisbane that is not the case and um and we just not kind of built our infrastructure to deal with cold and that's a problem because houses are cold and it's expensive to heat them and
1: you air. just said we're not doing the politics that was reason. That's not politics. Me. That's not politics. <laughs> That's weather. Well, okay. Cl- Let's just say climate change.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't. I don't think in 2022 we can any longer refer to climate change as political. We just can't. It's the environment. It's what we're living in. It's it's how we uh, deal with it. I, might be political, I, but it I is... agree
1: with you. I wish 40 percent of the population also agreed.
0: Well, we might we might be talking about stuff like that a bit later on in the podcast Ian.
1: <laughs> yes. So.
0: This month, and I know we say this from time to time, but I swear, I swear, listeners, we did not pre-plan this and yet we possibly <laughs> couldn't have chosen two books that went better together <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> we are discussing two, uh, well, not, not novels. Um, one's a novel, one is a novella. It's, um, it's a shorter work. But they are both post-apocalyptic <laughs> stories <laughs> and really interesting Post apocalyptic stories, t- t- taken from a different angle than what you might be used
1: to. True, but the, the key connection, in my view, and maybe this is a bit too early in the podcast to mention this, but I'm going to do it anyway, is that they are specifically dealing with the current moment. So it's yeah. this is the po- this yeah. is the post Trump, or this is the Trump slash the what's what let Trump has left in his wake world. That's that's what yeah. these two books are specifically dealing with, uh, yeah, which is absolutely. different. To post apocalyptic novels pre twenty sixteen or pre twenty twelve or whatever where they were mostly cautionary.
0: <laughs> I th- I think these two are in well, we'll get we'll get to it anyway. But these are not um, well, they're not, yeah. they're not they're
1: not cautionary.
0: I would argue that um the Devlin possibly is cautionary. But anyway, we we will get we'll get to them. But right. I think oh. that's a really good point to make. So first of all, I will say we are this week, this week Did I make a good point? You did make a good point, and we'll get to your good point a bit later. <laughs> <laughs> this month we are going to be discussing *Manhunt* by Gretchen Felker Martin, and *And Then I Woke Up* by Malcolm Devlin. Uh, we'll start with *Manhunt*, and I guess just before we start on both books, um, as we said, they're both post-apocalyptic, and they both uh, occur after. The end of the world event, quote unquote, has happened, and we're we're looking at people who are dealing with the aftermath. Um, and as Ian said, it's like um, I would I would say both of these books their their post apocalyptic event happened pre twenty twenty, but not long before twenty twenty, because obviously there's no COVID here. But it, it's very much, uh, very much dealing with the now and they're both quite recent. So this is not uh, an, a world-ending event that happened 20, 30 years ago. It, it is fairly recent for both books and it definitely would have happened before 2020 in our world. But otherwise, they do appear to be set pretty much firmly in the world we know pre-2020. Yes. Which is quite good, quite interesting to talk about for both of them. So we will begin with Manhunt which I am just going to say all kudos to Tor <laughs> and well in fact Tor published both of these books I've just realised Um, but all kudos to Tor for just going all out with the cover and the marketing and I guess the support of this potentially very contentious story.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get into it, but there's a lot of history behind Well, there's a lot that's going on around this novel, not just about the mm. novel itself. But yeah, we'll absolutely.
0: It. But they are, <laughs> they are pulling no punches with letting you know what you're getting into really. And, and obviously neither is Falker Martin. No punches from... From pretty much the first page. If you, if you read uh, the first chapter of this book and it's not for you, uh, it's it's not for you. The book is not for yeah, you. Yeah, uh,
1: so. you could, yeah, it's <laughs> the first two pages. If you read the it's first pretty, two pages.
0: I mean, let's, it, it, to be, you know, it's gory, it's bladderpunky, punky, it's, uh, I heard that the one of the words used to describe it by a couple of reviewers was filthcore,
1: <laughs> which is, is that awesome. a thing?
0: Um, it may be. It's uh, I, I like because it doesn't refer. It's, it, this book goes. It goes beyond um, splatterpunk in the sense of it just just gore and violence. Uh, this book is. It just revels in filth. I guess you know, like people are sweaty and dirty. It's a post-apocalypse. They're not having baths and showers and using deodorant, and it, it doesn't shy away from that. You know, it describes bodily conditions very graphically.
1: I'm going to read the blurb though. I'm going to read the blurb.
0: Yes, read the blurb. Go for
1: it. Okay, so Manhunt by Gretchen Felker Martin. Why the last man meets the girl with all the gifts in Gretchen Felker Martin's Manhunt, an explosive post-apocalyptic novel that follows trans women and men on a grotesque journey of survival. Beth and Fran spend their days travelling the ravaged New England coast hunting feral men and harvesting their organs in a gruesome effort to ensure they'll never face the same fate. Robbie lives uh, by his gun and one hard-learned motto, other people aren't safe. After a brutal accident entwines the three of them, this found family of survivors must navigate murderous turfs, which, can I just say, I don't think is ever spelt out the acronym in the novel.
0: Yeah, probably not. It's taken as a given, which, to be honest, I think for most readers it would be.
1: Yes, but I I find that just interesting in and of itself. Mm. A sociopathic billionaire, bunkered brat and awkward relationship dynamics, all while outrunning packs of feral men and their own demons. Manhunt is a timely, powerful response to every gender-based apocalypse story that failed to consider the existence of transgender and non-binary people from a powerful new voice in horror. And that last paragraph is absolutely spot on.
0: Yeah, 100% because, 100%. because the
1: virus or, or yeah, whatever. Inf- uh, so, virus so it is a virus. Plague, yeah. It uh, affects testosterone. Tes- tes-
0: yeah, pe- people what? with high levels of testosterone. So they may be yes. cis men. Uh, they could
1: be but also, cis
0: women. They could be cis women who have polycystic PCOS. ovary syndrome, which I didn't yep. really th- – I, I have PCOS, and I didn't ever really, like starting to read it until it was mentioned in the book, it was like – Oh yeah, I'd be fucked too,
1: <laughs> quite yeah, possibly,
0: yeah. you know. Um, but I hadn't like that had never really clicked to me when I started reading it. It's like, oh, people with high levels of testosterone, are a, you know, they turn into these rabid, slavering beasts, quite quite literally. Their body, not not just um, in their behaviour, but their their bodies break down and change, um, so they are not just creatures that look like human cis men running around doing bad things they are quite gross and disgusting physically but yeah no it was uh yeah so it's not it's not like the book's called manhunt and i think the name of it is very uh specifically chosen to be a gendered name but the book is quite clear that this is not just about you know cis men are evil this is about it no it's people with high testosterone a huge amount of which are obviously cis men but it's not just affecting cis men and and this is the problem because our two the, the two protagonist characters we have to start with, and I'd, I'd argue they are actually the protagonists. We get definitely get other point of view characters and substantial point of view characters. So Robbie is one of those. Indy get some point of view characters, and Ramona, who is, um, I guess, our our. Villain on the inside, um, for want of a better phrase, gets significant point of view as well, but it's it's really Beth and Fran. We start the novel with them, we end the novel with them, and it is substantially told from their point of view throughout. Um, And they're both trans women, so they need to take estrogen to stop them succumbing to T-Rex, to stop them turning into these feral kind of beasties because they have High high levels of testosterone and and obviously in in this new world that has um, that is attempting to rebuild itself from the ashes of T Rex, which is what the virus is um, known as. Hormones are hard to get, so they have to source uh, them in the wild, as it were.
1: Harvest in the most gruesome fashion possible by taking down men, killing them. And now, to be clear, the men one are extremely dangerous uh, like really really dangerous plus yeah. they they well they do hunt in single they also hunt in packs and yep. the death of one can bring others because of the scent and the blood and all that stuff yep. but yeah it's hunting them then slicing them open in fact the opening page actually describes exactly oh, I can read it out so I to read it out read it out and
0: this
1: will and this will probably Set the scene, the tone, what, you know, if you're you're wondering whether you should read this book. Um, Fran cut him open, a V incision to either side of the spine and sliced his adrenal glands off the tops of his kidneys. Then she fished his balls out of his rashy scrotum. When she cut it open, his ball sack exuded a stink like a bath bomb infused with rancid pork. She packed his giblets into a duffel between layers of dry ice wrapped in yellowing newspaper. She tried not to look at the other things growing inside him, at the squirming tumours that flinched from her hunting knife and scalpel, hiding among bones and fleshy membranes like goldfish in the archways and battlements of an aquarium castle. And, yeah. and, and I want to say there, that is some high-quality writing. It is is high-quality writing. But, but one of the things that that, that that gets lost in some of the, and I see we're going to talk around this, in some of the hatred towards this book from certain parts of the world is they go, oh, it's just gore and rape and disgusting and filth. But the writing is really, really good. Really good. I, I mean, if this was shit, if this was poor, because Splatterpunk or Filthcore, as I've now learned, is so easy to write poorly. And um, this doesn't go there. It's just so well written. And it sustains itself more or less. I think it's too long, but we can talk about that. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's just the writing is top notch, which makes it more visceral, doesn't it? It makes it, it, you are feeling nauseous reading this book.
0: There is, look, I've I've been reading horror since I could read almost, not quite, but almost. I read Jaws when I was about eight, like way too young to read Jaws, but I still read it. Um, And I've been, you know, and I am a fan of well-written Uh, splatterpunk and and really visceral horror but you know the older you get the more I guess jaded you get or the more inert you get to the written horror and while I can still like really appreciate well-written stuff it, it often doesn't really get me on a on a bodily visceral level but there were certain scenes in this book that it it was hard to read and hard to feel what I felt while I was reading them so that is some of the highest praise I can level at this type of fiction, if it, if it does what it is intending to do for this, you know, almost 50 somewhat jaded horror reader and writer, it is doing a very good job and, and clearing a very high bar with me. Um, there were some genuinely horrific and yeah, just really hard to read scenes in this book. So if you're not someone who likes to read violence and gore. this book probably isn't for you and that's okay like not all genres are for everybody and there is absolutely no shame in saying you know what I just I kind of can't deal with
1: someone's uterus being ripped out. That's fine. Yes exactly. and again we've got to understand as well that this book is is dealing or having a conversation with all those post-apocalyptic or, or virus plague novels, where you know one part of the, the the biological population has been removed or died or, mm. or whatever not considering what does that mean for non-binary and transgender people and I'll be honest yet never occurred to me either because I'm yeah. I've got a narrow world view and yeah what this book opened my eyes in a way that I don't think they have been. I mean noting everything else that's going on in the world, it never mm. did occur to me that there was there was a certain type of genre uh, genre book out there that says yes, all the women have vanished or all the men have gone uh, are dead or whatever you know
0: or you all know the- people who get pregnant will die from their pregnancy
1: yeah or people exactly and you think <laughs> and you oh okay and move with that and then realize no that's just a very cis way of looking at the world that's well that's all it's, that it's is. not
0: necessarily a, like um, so we discussed the book of the unnamed midwife by Meg Ellison um, a few years ago. And that was very much about people. Well, well, the book was about women who get pregnant and the pregnancy will, will kill them before the the baby comes to term and you kill the baby too. So, you know, there's basically, you know, you don't want to get pregnant and it's a good book. It's a very good book. We both liked it. Um, It's actually a terrific trilogy. Yeah. I haven't, I have not read the, the the following two, even though I d- I did intend to, I am become one of those readers who read the first book. And go, this is amazing! I can't wait for the others and never get to them. Anyway, um, but you know, I don't think we ever brought up on that podcast or thought about it. Like, well, how is this going to affect trans men who may get pregnant? Which
1: yeah. the th- th- which books two and three do deal with? To be fair, yeah.
0: oh, good, 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 yeah, good to know. Um, but it but is and this is the I guess one of the uh arguments that manhunt is talking about like these gendered post-apocalyptic novels just tend to focus on the gender binary of cis man cis woman and forget or don't even acknowledge the, the the repercussions that whatever their situation is that they've manufactured how that might affect trans people non-binary people uh, and you know I guess people you know people who are considered cis men and women but who may not actually fall into... Neatly into that box in terms of their hormones, their genetics, their chromosomes, that sort of thing. And you know, part of this, I guess, is the simplicity of narrative that's required, which we might talk about a bit later. And but part of it is just almost certainly a massive, big blind spot for people uh, whose lives are not impacted by trans people.
1: And that's what seems people. to have really upset people, Kirsten. So, so I'm am I'm, I'm an adult and and i read that book this book and i have problems mm-hmm. with this book okay i do i do have problems with the book structurally but 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 i read it and I said hey i have a blind spot this is interesting <laughs> let's interrogate that a bunch of people seem to have read it on goodreads and gone i don't have a blind spot this author is a misogynist and a person who loves rape and that's what they are and that's the end of that And that's how they've dealt with this. Because it got review bombed, I should point out, uh, before it came out with a lot of one-star reviews before it was read. That's really
0: interesting because I, as I do with everything, after I've read them, I go and look at reviews. And literally all I do is I go to Google, I type in the name of the book with the word review, and I look through the first couple of pages. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I do. I'm very lazy. (laughs) I'm very time poor, is what I should say. I'm time poor. And after you've got, amazing. and after you've gone
1: past it. the Guardian, the New York Times.
0: Well, you know, I, I, will, I try to read the. I mean, depending on the book we're reading, if it's going to be a more literary book, it's going to get picked up by the Guardian and the Times and so on. But I will, t- I will try to focus on reviewers that target genre. So, um, for both of these books, actually, I was looking at um, reviews on tour, Ginger Nuts of Horror, um, you know, review sites which did focus on genre books. Um, and But there were some like larger ones, NPR, The Observer, that sort of thing, Um, especially for, for, surprisingly to me, for Manhunt. But what I didn't come across, at least in the first two pages of Google at the end of or at the beginning of June 2022, was a whole bunch of awful reviews. They were all very positive reviews. And interestingly, and I will link to a couple of them that I found especially, I guess, that struck me. Um, and, and made me think about things that I hadn't considered because I am not a trans person and I don't directly have trans people in my life who I'm very close to. I know trans people, you know, I have relationships on online, but I have no one in my life um, to my knowledge who is a trans person directly. So it's not something that is, um, you know, that I'm particularly well-versed on. And a lot of these reviews that I did find were, were very thoughtful and lengthy and written by reviewers who identified as trans, um, and I will link to a couple of them. Um, Lee Mandelo wrote an excellent review of Manhunt that really made me think about a lot of stuff. So I'll link to that and I'll link to a couple of them. Really Can you say anything specific?
1: Can you say anything specific that Mandelo raises? Well,
0: what, what I wanted to know, and we should say that Gretchen Falcon Martin is also a trans woman um and what i wanted to know is I, because i'm not trans and as i said i don't have close friends who are trans and i really wanted to know what readers and reviewers who were trans felt about this book it's written by a trans person but obviously one trans person doesn't represent all trans people uh, and I, I wanted to know what what this was received like within the community for want of a better word what I was getting from a lot of these reviewers was that they were they were generally being pinged by this book, the, the things that the trans characters say and think about and fear and worry about and delight in, because there are some beautiful scenes as well of love and friendship and sex that are really wonderful and emotionally positive, was that this felt not only very genuine, but I think one of the things Lee Mendelsohn uh, felt when when they were reading the book, where they kind of stepped back and, and thought, "Oh my God, don't you can't say that where, where cis people could see it." And it was like, "Oh, like it was." It's.
1: Uh. There is there is there is a shocking truth. Cause just go read Goodreads. There is mm. a shocking truth to that because clearly uh, the the way this has been approached is yeah. this book by some, not everyone, mm. um, that this is a screed against women. That that's what this book is. Cis women, but they don't say cis women. They just say women, <laughs> and that that's what this this novel is. But I... but they forget the fact, and if they've read it, they forget yeah. the fact that, as you say, Beth and Fran, the relationship that they have, the doubts. But then their own personal doubt about it, their identity go, runs through yeah. this whole novel. Fertilke Martin very, very, is very uh, clear on using the correct pronouns throughout the whole book. So mm-hmm. even though her, her characters may doubt, they're still she. So it's made very clear. She or they, yeah, or they, yes, correct. She or they, or or he for Robbie, or he, or he for Robbie. But but they may doubt though themselves Mm. multiple times. And you would in a world where your literal life relies a on eating scrotum balls, (laughs) (laughs) eating balls,
0: not the scrotum, (laughs) just the testes inside.
1: Yeah, just the testes, not not you don't have to eat eat the rashy scrotum. No, no. Well, you could as an aperitif, but oh. um, you know, but 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 yes, the balls and and where you are being hunted down mm. because of your biology, and that's um, yeah. I can see why you would you would say, oh, uh, am I a girl? Am I a woman? Is that what I am? Is that my identity?" And and that is what the book absolutely confronts head on, and does in a way that I found. Extraordinary, frankly, I I'd not yeah. you know in a way that I, it, 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 yeah I don't know what more to say without sounding completely it ignorant.
0: Is, you know, it is really extraordinary, and um, one of the things that struck me quite early on because yeah, the um, the book mentions J.K. Rowling, who has obviously in recent years uh, become
1: and wasn't and wasn't that where where in that case where uh, one of her followers has Pcos. And didn't know undiagnosed PCOS, I think.
0: Yeah, and, I think so. And, and yeah. becomes
1: becomes one of the creatures and takes out the whole community. <laughs> she, yeah,
0: she dies in a in a very expensive castle in Scotland. Yeah. Um, uh, but and you know, I read I read like the mention of J.K. Rowling and it, after turfs and all this sort of stuff, and turfs are, are presented from the get go as you know militant, um, you know, trans seeking murderous people and and jk rowling is mentioned pretty early on and i did like as a reader it's like oh that's um oh maybe maybe shouldn't have mentioned jk rowling that's taking a well i I hope you i hope you get a kill shot here because (laughs) that's going to open up a lot of um animosity and and you know later on the battleship is called the galbraith
1: yes (laughs) i know
0: fantastic Uh, (laughs) there's all these little little things um and then I was really angry at myself for for going oh maybe maybe you don't mention rolling. that's oh maybe you could have like just just gone around that it's like why the fuck should the writer go around that you know or around any of this um that the book is not the book is not trying to be nice to cis people who may be unsure about whether trans people get to exist and it shouldn't have to be
1: but it also it, 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 it positions it it positions it in today's argument it's not yeah. some hypothetical it's no it's it, 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 it positions it very squarely in what's happening right now today Yep. And, yep. and and so I, I mean I found the Rowling bit very funny. I laughed, but the Galbraith bit—the fact that the, the battleship is called <laughs> that—that that, 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 that was, no that was a stroke of genius. No, no, it's no explanation. Exactly. You just, you just exactly.
0: have to know. And for, for listeners who don't know, um, Robert Galbraith is the pseudonym that J.K. Rowling uses to write um, crime fiction. Uh, but yeah, it's just mentioned at the Galbraith. It's like, I laughed out loud. <laughs> but
1: like... that was a stroke of genius. Now look, I do <laughs> want to. I do want to. I do want to raise one thing. So. Again, I keep coming back to these one-star reviews, and I'm sorry, but
0: yeah, no, let's it, talk about. It's them.
1: part of the story and narrative of the book itself. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that the, the the review bombers threw on is the fact that uh, uh, um, Felker Martin is quoted on Twitter, and I found the quote, so it's, it does exist. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a lie, uh, saying, uh, and, and it was in a context of a much larger conversation, of course, that As I truly sincerely. I truly sincerely believe that art should have more rape in it. Okay. Now that's, yes, that is a quote. That is genuinely what uh, she said that there's no Mm -hmm. doubt about that. And, and it was coming from a view that not that we should fetishize rape because rape's fun and glorious. And, and aren't we edgy having rape in our stories? Like uh, you could label some grim, dark fantasy as doing, we won't Mm -hmm. name who, but, that the effects of rape, what it does to people, etc., is what needs to be explored more head on. And that is mm-hmm. what she is talking about. Of course, the view that's been taken disingenuously by people who didn't bother to read what she said is that she thinks that there just needs to be more rapey stuff. And look, there is rape in this book. And this is going to be, yep. for some people also they might be able to get past the gore but there is one rape scene that is utterly utterly brutal it it is mm-hmm. it is bad and i can see some people just just not being able to read from that point on or being severely triggered by that scene so i think it's important that well i mean we say as reviewers that that is there in the book and you need to be aware of that but it isn't there for the for the uh glorification of rape that's not that that's how it's been read But that's not what it's there for.
0: Nothing in this book, the way it is written, the way it is contextualised is about yay violence or yay rape. Um, And also I'll say that on on people being triggered, which definitely, definitely, you know, there's violence, there's rape, there's, you know, stuff in here that, that could trigger people. But the way you can handle that in art is... You don't have to spring it on someone and Felker Martin does not. In in the scenes where there is rape um, and even the scenes where there's really awful violence and gendered violence, you know something bad's about to happen. You know, you're not reading a sentence about someone drinking wine and, oh, suddenly they're being raped. Like there is that lead up. You can put the book down and go, nope, I'm done not reading this, or I'm going to skip a couple of pages. She flags the bad stuff very, very well. And and a reader who is sensitive to that and doesn't want it can just go, you know, nope, no, nope, no, nope. I'm either, I'm noping out of this whole book now, or I'm just going to flick a couple of pages and, and see where the story picks up. I, I know something bad's going to happen here and I don't want to read it. And that's fine. And she does it very skillfully. But her comment about, you know, there should be more rape in art, 100%, 100%, because we have, unfortunately, a lot of rape and sexual assault and gendered violence in the world. So why not talk about it in art and talk about the reality of it and the effects of it and the ongoing trauma and the fact that, you know, to a a huge extent in our societies, we don't want to talk about it and we don't want to acknowledge it and sometimes we don't even want to believe it happens so yes let's have more of it let's not normalize rape but let's normalize that it happens and that people are traumatized by it and that we should do what we can to reduce it that's what we need to normalize and i think that's what felka martin is is doing here because she is not in any way writing these sorts of scenes in any kind of um titilizing or um you know t- positive way they, they are brutally horrific in the way that good horror does and we can't forget that this is a horror novel folks if you're not a horror reader you are going to get
1: slammed against the wall by this book just be warned. correct absolutely look i i didn't 100 percent love the book though um mm-hmm. It flags at times. That was the cat. Keep that in. Keep that in. That was genius. No one can see it, but the cat just did a did a leap on the bookshelf. That was amazing.
0: I, I and am the thing kidding. is,
1: that you warned me. You warned me it was going to happen. I love it. Anyway, anyway, yeah. brilliant. Uh, there we go. Uh, anyway, fantastic. Um, so yeah, look, to me, the book's too long. I say this about nearly every book I read, frankly. So I do. I think it's too long. I think. I think so I have a view about I'm not going to call it filth call because that's the new word for the young kids um, that it is better shorter I just believe this this is I know there are different I know there are examples out there I was going to say skip inspector but now if I I'm pretty sure if I reread some of those books I'd I think find they're, they're problematic. pretty short Oh no they're lot, also, no lot. and also pages.
0: problematic Oh I yeah, know, especially I never the, tra- read any of the really long ones. No, sorry. The,
1: the treatment of women. Yeah, yeah, the but to, uh, look, there look, the point I'm making is that I find I found that yes, I get the point it's unending violence on 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 you get desensitized and, and that. But yeah, I think it's such a strong book in the first half when they go to uh the the, the, the rich kid's uh, bunker. The bunker. That's where it's mm-hmm. the bunker. That's where it starts to flag for me a little bit. Just just loses its its momentum. It's not because the characters are safe, because they're not. We find that out pretty damn quick. It's just, I, I just, mm. it just felt like the same point again and, and a bit of repetitive. Mm. But, uh, and I just find that it, it, you these books work a lot better if they're if you chuck twenty thousand words out. It's easy for me to say I'm not <laughs> writing the book. Yeah, just <laughs> chuck twenty. Just get rid of twenty thousand words and it'll all be good. But I did. I found it a bit too long. I did. I really did. That's 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 the thing. So, um, but that's a personal personal preference, and that's just a personal view around this sort of genre mm. that the shorter is the better for just to get the sustained amount of just to really get that power out of it. That 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 you know that flavor. Yeah.
0: No, I can I can see that. Um, I felt what I found this book somewhat exhausting to read, but not in I don't mean that in a like in a negative way because that it did so many switch changes. Like they they here's the situation, and then another situation they move into, and then it's changed, and and it just like keeping me at this level of. I guess anxiety and concern for the characters, and kind of knowing that it was like whatever situation they went into, even if it was um, flagged as well, we'll we'd be better here, we'll be safer here, it'll, it'll work. It's like the, I don't think you will, um, because there's all these flags that indicate no, they're not they're not going to be safe in the bunker, they're not going to be safe if they do this. This isn't going to work, and so it, the book kept me on this constant level of sort of anxiety and um, and and worry and. It was, it was exhausting, but also that's what it's like <laughs> for these characters in this, you know, in the world of the book, absolutely. But then it also made me think about, well, trans people in our world, hopefully not to this extent, but are also going to be feeling, you know, when they're not in a place that they know is absolutely safe will also be feeling a constant level of anxiety and concern and watching their back, which is shit, <laughs> which is absolutely shit. And this is part of what this book is saying. And I, I I haven't read them, but I can imagine what some of the one-star reviews might say and, you know, you talking about it, the book being anti-woman. I mean, it's, it's absolutely not for a start, but also. Well,
1: no, no, because that, those reviews assume, well, they don't assume, they pretty much say it. That the author of this book is a man, okay? That that's because it's a, that, no no because it's clear in the review. I mean, it's terrible for me to say that I know, but that is what the reviews. They are not. They are, they are not recognizing Falcon Martin's uh, you know identity. They are not recognizing it. They are saying this is just a misogynist screed from another. Blo- men will be men is literally what one of the reviews says. Men will be men. They're saying that's what the book is saying, or that, no no that 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 men can't help but write misogynist bullshit the author oh it's yes it's vile it's vile okay. it is literally it is li- the review uh, not all of them not all the ones some of some of the one star reviews are genuine i can't deal with all this violent sort of reviews okay yeah, fair enough yeah. i mean yeah. I, don't, I don't know why why you bothered putting in on- anyway whatever it? But, but 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 yeah but whatever but some of them are genuinely the, yeah. the publishing industry has got to this point where they'll they'll let men pretending to be women write these misogynist screeds about women. That is that is what some of the reviews say. Straight out. Oh. No, no no uncensored.
0: And I I think it may be a a good point to bring up in that I don't despite my kind of initial reaction of oh this is oh don't mention JK Rowling and you know this might be a dangerous thing to be doing and it, and it is clearly it doesn't mean it's not a a righteous thing to be doing. Because we should be really clear that TERFs and their ilk, and I I, I know that a lot of a lot of people are flying under the, the radar of gender critical at the moment, which is it's you know, yes, it's a don't... nicer sounding word, but don't get sucked in. If you actually see the rhetoric and the arguments that are being made. Especially in places where they don't expect the general public to be watching, they are as vile and gross and disgusting as Manhunt chose them to be. And I have zero doubt that if they could, some of these people would absolutely be on board with the execution of anybody who was.
1: Trans. Oh, yeah. And I want to make the point here that the villain, the turfs in this novel, would could be in any other situation, and maybe if this book had been written five years ago, would be so They're so cartoonish and silly that no one would be that. They wouldn't Which be was like kind that. kind of
0: my re- first, like that was my kind of first reaction. Is like, oh, this is going to be a bit of a satire, and very quickly it was like, this is not a satire.
1: <laughs> no, this no, not it's a not satire. at all. Absolutely not a satire. Absolutely not. I mean, and it's it's one of those where the reviewers and. It, it, it all just – it's a feedback loop. You see it. It's there in the reviews of these of these terrible yeah. human beings who would write that sort of stuff. And it's – oh, my God. Yeah, the, the villains of this novel are in the real world, are here now. And, yes, if this T-Rex were to occur, absolutely there'd be these squads going around saying, justifying slaughtering uh, trans women because, well, they're a danger to us. Um, it's a, it's you
0: appallingly know. believable, actually. A, 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 appallingly the thing, and, believable.
1: A, and the thing, and the thing, and the look—we've got to move on, but because I actually could talk about this book for a long time. It, <laughs> and, know, this book, and, this is, and this is the point—it's provocative in a good way, and exactly how it should be. But I, one of the things that I really loved was the the main ads Is that how you pronounce that? Uh, mean Maynads, which yep. are these. So obviously, there are still people. The babies are still being born. Yep. And some of them are born male. And of course, they, they're fine up until a certain, well, sorry, they're born biologically male. And I have to be very careful how I say this because it's that is part of the point in the novel. But they're fine until obviously puberty. Okay. So at that point, this, even the turf society realizes that they, that they can't just keep killing children. So what they tried to do is to, uh, you know, feed them with estrogen to basically turn them, Turn them. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm and, help me out and here to, before to new to neuter them. New to new yeah, they new to them, and then to, yeah, so that they produce this testosterone. But also to to, to uh, look. I don't know. You know what I'm where I'm going with this. I, yeah, I don't yeah, want to use yeah. the incorrect word.
0: But the, no, no. Well, well, from what I what my impression was, that the mean ads are cis men. That they, you know, they're not trans men. They're cis men who have had their testicles removed and are being given extra um, estrogen yes. to stop them turning yes. into these creatures and and, yes. and they, they are on the side or they are forced onto the side of the turfs and they they're called menads and i i still don't know why they're called menads i i'm not sure it wasn't it wasn't clear in the book and i'm not sure why that that word was used but um, i'm sure there's a very good reason for it um, that i just haven't
1: clocked but that but that is also horrific in its own special unique way and mm. and, and 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 i thought a really interesting element of the of the book I'm not sure why I ended on that point because I don't have uh, you know but that's just <laughs> just one of those it's what? just one of those other elements to this book yeah. that makes it so interesting. There is a lot provide. of
0: complexity here and one of the things which it I mean it's a it's a long book as we've said it's a hefty book one of the things it does mention very explicitly but doesn't dwell on is there's a there's a scene where I think it's Fran or it might be Beth I can't remember but it's one of them who's talking about you know, because the, the turfs don't own the world. They're moving, they're, they're trying to take over everything, but there's still areas that aren't under their control and, but you know, they're, they're kind of moving their territory. And so they come into a, a town and sort of say, hey, this is what needs to happen or we need to do this for our own safety. And, and you know, the, the, the people in that town are like, no, go, go away, this is awful, we don't want you. But there's a lot of women in the town who are very quiet they they don't say anything, and I think it's Fran, but I may be wrong about that. Is sort of um, says well, and they're the ones I was most afraid of. Not necessarily the ones who were like yay turfs, but the ones who were quiet and said nothing. Yes, and that's really really important, and it's not dwelled on, but it's really important because when f- you know when faced with atrocity. If you do nothing and say nothing, and it's understandable why you might not for your personal safety, for the safety of your loved ones. But if you do nothing and say nothing, you are on the side of the atrocity, you are allowing it to happen. And, and that's one of the things the book makes subtly, but perfectly clear is, you know, when, when you have something that's happening, which is clearly a bad thing, you don't get to be Switzerland. Hey, not even Switzerland is Switzerland anymore.
1: That's true. <laughs> I, I, I will say just to, because just to, we've spoken about a lot of the horrific stuff, as you said earlier, there is a lot of love and friendship in this. There's a lot of sex yeah. in it Yeah. Oh, and so a lot of sex, sex positive. Sex is, yes, very sex positive. And, uh, and and just that's something else. And that does, uh, you know, mitigate to a degree the amount of filth core in the novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, what what it does? What was really what was really refreshing, literally, because of some of the stuff you you are reading, was even even the characters who palate cleanser the, a palate cleanser who who are having their own internal crises around their bodies. So the the, the trans people who occasionally are, are questioning their identity, Indy, who is a cis woman but a very very large cis woman who has very severe body issues around her physicality. The narrative doesn't buy into any of that. So when, when because it's all third person, it's all third person. So when the the narrative is describing someone's body and especially in a sexual situation, it is not using that as, as denigrating. It is often describing it through the point of view of their partner who doesn't find their body um, to be wrong or, or disgusting, even if the person themselves sometimes feels that about themselves. And it was it, it, you, you have these
1: beautiful t- yeah. T- even t- the scenes, with, yes, even the scenes with Ramona, who mm. is the 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 one on the inside, who's the who's working for the Legion or the Turfs. Uh, even yeah. those sex scenes, she hates herself because she's with a, a trans woman, but she doesn't. But the sex itself, it's. It's 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 rough sex, but it's not it's not violent sex. Is that the right way of putting it? I don't I don't know if I've possibly. got that
0: right. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Um, but, yeah. oh, and Ramona, like I know we need to move on, but Ramona was so well handled. I thought because there was the potential there, and and possibly in the hands of a less complex writer. To, to make that character be the you know the good Nazi for want of a better word right the the one you yes. feel sorry for um, even though she does almost nothing actually that's not in her own self interest uh, even if that self interest is desire I mean she seems to genuinely love and care about Feather who is her non-binary lover who gets executed and she does nothing
1: to stop that to feel guilty about it.
0: You know, I felt empathy for Ramona. I didn't really feel a lot of sympathy for her. And she never gets turned around. And at the end, because she, had, she does at the end do something kind of significant but almost without her knowledge to assist the cause. And at the end she's like, hey, you know, maybe I can – hang out with you folks now. And that is a hard no from everyone. It's like, we don't give a fuck. You you are not a safe person to be here. No one feels safe around you. We don't even think you'll, you'll do anything to us anymore, but no one, no one feels safe because of what you've done, what you haven't done and who you are. You can fuck off. And that was amazing. <laughs> it was like, yes, she doesn't get to find safety
1: with them. I've got to say, while, while I may have issues with the length, the climax is pretty awesome. The, yeah. the, the the last the last 20 well the, yeah. the final climactic scenes are climactic and great yeah and I love them yeah okay yep. we've got to move on and you're talking about on. you were talking about narrative before and yes. that is literally literally the point of our next book which is and then I woke up by Malcolm Devlin which is a novella and you chose it so you can read the back
0: yes and there you go and it's it's a short one right So you're happy about that after reading Manhunt?
1: (laughs) I was. I was.
0: Okay, so I'll read, uh, I guess, the blurb for this book. In the tradition of Myra Grant and Stephen Graham Jones, Malcolm Devlin's And Then I Woke Up is a creepy layered literary story about false narratives and their ability to divide us. In a world reeling from an unusual plague, monsters lurk in the streets while terrified survivors arm themselves and roam the countryside in packs or perhaps something very different is happening. When a disease affects how reality is perceived, it's hard to be certain of anything. Spence is one of the cured, living at the Ironside Rehabilitation Facility. Haunted by guilt, he refuses to face the changed world until a new inmate challenges him to help her find her old crew. But if he can't tell the truth from the lies, how will he know if he has earned the redemption he dreams of? How will he know he hasn't just made things worse?
1: Which is a nice... Tidy. That's an odd, yeah, it is tidy, but it's odd because those questions I never really connected to Spence. Maybe I read the wrong no. wrong, but I always, felt, <laughs> no, I always felt that once once Spence was, and yeah, I suppose cured in quotation marks, but once Spence was cured, mm-hmm. for, for the for the good chunk, of, so you, you, there is this feeling um, that he, he could go back. To, so we should say that what the virus does is essentially make you think that other, others around you have turned into revenants or, you know, monsters. Zombies. Uh, zombies. zombies. Are you, the it, word zombies, I zombie. think only use It's a zombie apocalypse it, without the actual zombies.
0: Yeah. It's just the people who are infected by the virus, um, their perception is literally changed. So they, they literally see normal people as,
1: as zombies who they kill. And while I never thought at any point – that Spence was going to go backwards. And he he always seemed pretty firm in his understanding of what had happened to him hmm. and that he'd moved on. It was more he was shepherding Leela's journey. Um I, I yeah. never felt that suddenly that Spence was going to go, oh my God, there they are monsters. Ah! You know, that sort of thing. He he seemed pretty having spent three years in Ironside, uh he seemed pretty firm around now. What was what was real and what was not real, and, and yeah, and and I actually like that because the cliche response to this sort of book, and I'm going to spoil it, I suppose, is to go. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Actually, it is actually. wasn't a virus. They really were monsters, and it was a zombie apocalypse, and blah 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 blah, and whatever. Or or to go, he thinks he's cured, but he really isn't, and da, da. no, he yeah. he he now I, knows the distinction.
0: I saw several reviews which were effectively saying, and I still don't know what's happening in this book and what's real and what's not. And I thought the book was pretty clear in flagging what what the reality of the book is. It was a virus. It doesn't work. It, who, would... it would not work. The people who thought there were zombies were the ones infected by the virus. They didn't see zombies. They killed their friends and family and innocent strangers. I think the, the book itself, even though it's told first person, there's enough... Evidence provided that for for the reader, I felt to be pretty sure that that's the reality. Even though by by the end, and I really like the ending, there is a suggestion that that Spence is beginning to to question what what is actually happening. Not not that he thinks that um you know the the zombie plague was real, but he is he is questioning what what reality actually is. And it's quite a neat ending that we won't spoil, but. I never, yeah, like you, I never felt through the book that, oh, wait, maybe there are actually zombies or, you know, because it, it doesn't make sense with what the book is giving us. It doesn't make sense for for the plague to actually be,
1: be real. I want to be abundantly clear. Mm. This is a book about competing narratives. No doubt about yeah. that. I do be yep. competing. But I think the book is extremely clear that there is a truth out there. Yeah. yeah, there is a yeah. truth.
0: Hundred percent. That
1: truth is not always easy to explain or describe, and that's why we try to create truths or narratives for ourselves that are more dramatic mm-hmm. and easier to swallow, even if they're horrible. Because it's just easier to believe horrible. in. It's easier to believe in zombies than to believe in the complexities around inflation. I, I've just picked inflation. <laughs> But, but 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 in a sense that is exactly what this book <laughs> well,
0: the, is about. This is how this is how conspiracy. No, but, work, no no no. But, but
1: the, the point I'm making is that if you come to this book and think, oh, it's all about how there really is no sense of what's true no. or what's not, and and yeah. it's all about you know that is the completely wrong message. This book yeah. is essentially QAnon people. This is how they. This is this is in a sense how we get to that stage. But you, while we all can disagree to to an extent as to what is actually true morally ethically blah 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 we all have our own most of us have a consensus reality that we all accept yeah mm-hmm. and then there are a bunch of us who accept a completely different one that is dangerous and deadly and horrific and that's <laughs> what this book is about yeah all right i mean because it's not denying a priori truths it isn't one plus no. one equals two physics is physics science is science you know whatever the things that are the, true are the true. dress
0: really is an actual color no matter how different people perceive it, the dress. Correct, is and I love actually-
1: that. The, I love that was brought. I love that's in the novel, and the other one they, was it Lanny yeah the, the voice one, Lanny and yeah,
0: some, some, yeah. Um, Laurel, that's Laurel and Laurel Yanny, and Yanny. That's it, Laurel and- yeah. so for. The, I'm, I'm sure most listeners will recall these kind of internet um, hysterias mm-hmm. around yeah. whether the dress was blue and black or white and gold, and um, I think I saw it as. Blue and black, but I could, but I could see it wasn't blue and black as well.
1: Um, I'm a Laurel. Done, I only ever heard. Done, I only ever heard Laurel.
0: I heard Yanny. I think I heard Yanny. I had a friend who heard one, and then it switched, and then she couldn't hear the first one again. But the the point, like this being made, so about so there was a dress which was really badly photographed, and the you know the colors got um, kind of a bit messed up, and some people would see it. As, and I think it was um, white and gold. I, I might be wrong about that. I can't remember. And the point is the dress was actually a colour. there's not like, oh, well, some people saw it as this and some people saw it as that and they're both, those perceptions are both equally valid. It's like, well, they're valid in how you perceive them, but they don't change the fact that the dress itself is a physical dress and actually was a colour. No matter how you saw it, the dress was a particular combination of colours and that fact you can't deny <laughs> as much as you want to. I found it really interesting that I saw it differently to what it was. Uh, you know, I found that really, really interesting. It's like, wow, isn't the mind a fascinating thing?
1: I'm colorblind, yeah. so that dress thing never worked for me. Ah, the dress thing skipped you over. But, the, <laughs> but the point is, that there is there is I pay priority truths, and sometimes we inter- misinterpret mm-hmm. them. Blah blah blah. But this is not saying truth is out the door, and and a QAnon a QAnon view is as credible and as as uh, you know re- reliable as a view about climate change.
0: No, in fact, it's kind of saying the opposite. It's saying, no, there, there is there is a, a, a reality for, for certain things. Obviously, personal preferences, they're up in the air. Um, you know, there, there is actually, a, a you know, real things um, and real facts and real stuff out there in the world that is just what it is, no matter what you perceive it as, no matter what you think about it, no matter what your preference is. There's real stuff out there. And a lot of the time personal preference and personal perception is whatever, that's, you know, whatever. But sometimes, as in if, if people are infected by a virus and perceive reality to be threatening to them and kill innocent people and children, even their own children, that's pretty dangerous. That's not something we can just go, you know what, zombies, shmombies correct and that's what the book is saying and we can map that obviously onto various things that we see at the moment in how people perceive things and what danger that may have to other And don't have the
1: excuse don't have the excuse of being actual, infected by
0: an actual An actual
1: virus. virus although misinformation itself is a virus but it's correct. not an actual correct. plague uh, you know and and the vaccine for misinformation is pretty easy, but um, <laughs> I would say. But but look, and one of the things I I actually said on Twitter was uh, to someone was that it's not a subtle book, this book, and and that's why I'm saying I don't understand those reviews that you just referred to because the message mm. in this book is is not subtle at all.
0: But that's I don't think important.
1: It is. What? Subtle,
0: subtle. I don't think it's subtle yeah. either.
1: No, it's 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 yeah. in the fa- in your face. It's not subtle. It's not new, new. Well, it is nuanced in the way it's written, but it's not subtle. And that's important because we're in a we're in a world now where you can't be subtle anymore. That's actually sadly <laughs> the point.
0: But apparently, there are different perceptions about this reality of the book,
1: so. <laughs> I, which I I just I just don't get this. <laughs> I don't
0: I, understand what what I appreciated about how this was written because it um, it is written post this event. It has been a number of years since this has happened. Um, and and, and it's still out there. The virus is still out there. There's a whole bunches of people who are still infected, who still see zombies, who are still in survivor mode and are kind of trying to be helped at a distance by <laughs> the rest of the community, partially so they won't go out and kill them. Um, but, you know, they're not... Oh, the no compassion...
1: The compassion directives are genius. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. Sorry, I you interrupted know. you.
0: Like no one's going in and capturing these people and forcibly trying to, you know, it's like, okay, we're, we're going to, you know, we'll drop food so they can keep living. or we'll set up these little psychological tricks and traps to try to help themselves out of their Perception, um, but you know we're not going to be hardcore about this uh, because they're still human beings and they still get to live their lives as long as they're not killing
1: us. Correct. So one of the clever elements is first off they they essentially create these buffer zones between civilization mm. that isn't infected and, and the bits that are, and then yep. in that in that buffer zone they'll will be supermarkets to that where they'll leave bits of food as you said, but they'll also have houses where they'll they'll paint one room completely pink. Or this is the, the this yep. is the un- uninfected or non-infected, or they'll put the ch- the furniture on the ceiling, and it's yep. there as a visual trigger for someone who's slowly beginning to realise hmm, the narrative, and then go, oh wait, this room's pink, and the people who who are absolutely dead set on the narrative don't see the pink, a bit like they yeah, don't they just don't
0: the- see it, but they they make, so the idea is that you make something so strange and yeah. so surreal and so outside of any reality. That if, that if someone is receptive to that, it's going to make them go, oh. Well, well how does
1: that exist? What's, how does that ex- Hang yeah. on,
0: wait. And Ed starts to make them question the narrative. And for Spence, it's a it's pink
1: good. room. For Spence, it's, it's a, a pink room. that A
0: holy pink room. Like everything holy, in the room everything. is pink. All the furniture everything. Is pink, everything is pink. And he walks in and goes, well, this is weird. And it's also weird that no one is seeing this except me because his compatriots are like, what are you talking about? Come on, let's just take this stuff we need. Um, kill the zombie, you know. And, and that's what begins Spence's, I guess, j- journey out. And, and all of this is in the past. We, we see, hear all of this from Spence about what has happened. Um, and what's really interesting is, he, and I appreciated this a lot, because as you say, while the message of the book is not subtle, the book is very nuanced. And what was, for me, one of the primary, I guess, trays of of Spence and his, his account was even though he is cured and he knows he's cured and he... Doesn't really have doubt that that what he used to think was true. There's still this wistfulness. There's this yearning about him, not you yeah. know, and almost and almost like wanting for it to have been true because it was easier. It was horrific, but it was easier to live in that world. Yeah. It was easier, you know, even though he had to kill
1: zombies and he was well was, was and was, it easier was easier because partly was easier because the revelation that he that he, that it's not true means that he has to weigh up the fact that he murdered a whole lot, lot of people in a restaurant.
0: Yep. yep. And and Leila who he uh, goes with
1: to, to help find her old crew who killed he, her husband and son.
0: Her young child, yep. her toddler. Her it's toddler. horrific. It's genuinely horrific. And you you can see why someone who's done that, who's done things which are so awful might wish to still have those things justified.
1: Yeah, the zombie apocalypse becomes a comfort blanket to just yeah. to, to, and th- and that's what the book does really well. And that, that, that compassion directive is one of the best ideas mm. because the easy way again would be to have a pitched battle. And there is there are, there are soldiers that come in sometimes, and and they and there will be some flare ups. Um, but generally there is that buffer and this idea that, no, no, we just, have, what we, and what, what Spence realises is that you've got to start to change the narrative, sort of unplug the drama, because what fuels it is the dramatic element. Yeah. And that's what the compassion directive looks at as well. If you can just, so, so that they don't see zombies at all, uh, ever. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, uh, so, and then you start to, uh, uh, yeah, it's just brilliant, because then then they're forced to look more internally, and that starts to potentially trigger them back into society. Well, well, that's it. they go in a different direction. They become less violent. They start to go, which is what the book, and I suppose I'm spoiling it. I know you didn't want to, but this is, I I, I can't help it. They start <laughs> to consider, well, okay, uh, we may have killed all the zombies, but we now have to build our own society and actually mm. start to create their own zombie-free society, even though it's there's a wholly good, nice one right here yep. for them. They can't, <laughs> they can't interact with that. Yes. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that in a post-apocalyptic setting.
0: I mean, for all its its uh, you know absolute front you know front on discussion about consensus reality and narrative and and why we sometimes prefer narrative to reality, the book's also a really solid critique of the whole zombie apocalypse genre and and the attraction that genre has for a lot of people. It, you know, because in a way it's hard okay you've got no you've got no anesthetic you've got no running water you've got no sanitation you have to to go and and resource grab and and fight your way through zombies and and but it's also fucking easy because that's all you have to think about and you don't have to think about more complex things and bigger pictures it's just like here's what i'm doing with my day every day it's goddamn easy i'm just doing it
1: correct that's why I use inflation as an example because it's something mm. that affects us all none of us really understand how I mean we sort of vaguely understand how how it happens and supply and demand and all that but 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 it's mm. complex yeah? If, if, and, yeah and we just know we're being smacked over the head and cost of living is poor where it's much easier just to forget all that and go pretend everyone's a zombie and or, or the real world take a survivalist view and just just cut yourself yep. off and, 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 and do that and and yeah it, because it, it and how many games now? That my kids play I, literally they're not all zombie apocalypse games but they're all re- get resources power up do that that narrative is 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 now embedded throughout everything uh, through all the games we play
0: it's an attractive narrative it's an empowering narrative and i think the less people feel empowered in their their own lives to affect change either change within their own lives or, or greater change that they see is needed in the world these sorts of narratives are really empowering because they're simple and there's something you can do and somehow we all think if there was a zombie apocalypse we would be part of the plucky band of survivors instead of an actual zombie which let's face it most of us would be the zombies but that's the attraction of this narrative and and one of the characters I think it is I think it must be leader, says something to Spence to the effect of well the, the, the narrative is so much more attractive because it's simple.
1: I'll read I'll, I'll read it out for you. I'll actually, because I've got it here. Perfect. So not, Go for it. So, so that's how I was cured. Uh, she, Layla, said, I got hurt, then got left behind. Then eventually I thought, I don't want to play this game anymore. Only she closed her eyes and fell into a silence. Only it's funny. I miss being infected. She said, I'm sorry. I miss being infected. I miss the narrative. Her smile was small, her eyes raw, not because of Val, never because of him. No, I missed the certainty of it. It made the world so simple. It was us and them. And that was that. The whole world was black and white. Everything was easy. And most important of all, I love my son with such a ferocity, it lit a fire within me. And that fire fueled me in the way nothing else could. It's just beautiful. I sort of, I sort of want to drop the mic at that and just say that podcast is done because.
0: That is really beautiful. It's not exactly the one I was thinking about, but I have found what I was thinking about, and, and it is also um, Leela. It's part of Leela's um, conversation with Spence about what happened to her.
1: Um, so she says. So, in other words, it's probably in the same scene.
0: Probably in well, it's a it's a, like she almost gets a chapter that is just her point of view as, as she relates her story. Like it's really interesting. oh yeah that's right yeah. yeah yeah. So she says, and if I resent anything about the narrative, it's the way it fell back on such outmoded tropes as to make him Val into someone I might look at twice. But that's how it works, isn't it? That's what the doctor said. It feeds off familiar beats, comforting rhythms, things we've seen a million times on TV. And that's that's the idea. We can, you know, we we process things in our mind that are fictional things in exactly the same way as we process real life. So if we meet a person in fiction, whether we're reading a book or whether we're watching TV, the part of our mind which processes information about people is doing exactly the same job. We we don't really differentiate on on a neurological level in how we process information about real things and about fictional things, which can make it, I think, really hard. Um, And, you know, it opens you up to not necessarily a virus that causes this narrative disease, but to a susceptibility to things that fit our idea of narrative in general a lot better than our ideas of reality, which is messy and often can't be explained or can't be explained easily. And that is what this book is talking about. It is easier to believe in a conspiracy theory. It is easier to believe a simple explanation than it is to talk about all of the factors which may be impacting a situation. And it is much easier to believe a story where you have agency and you have an ability to affect a successful outcome than it is to believe in a story where we might all just be fucked, (laughs) vis-a-vis climate change, for example.
1: What has the world come to, Kirsten? What has the world come to? I don't know.
0: I I am still hopeful. (laughs)
1: We, we probably haven't, we, we certainly haven't spent the same amount of time on this book than we have on Manhunt in talking it about it. It sure is a novella, though. It is, it is, it's yes. only 30,000 words. Yeah. So keep that in mind. And it's but, very uh, punchy and very to the point. Yeah. And, and really well written. And I, I, look, has, I don't know if you checked, but has Devlin written anything else beyond this?
0: He's written um, a lot of short story collections, which I really want to get my hand on. This is his first, um, a, 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 well, it's not a novel, but it's his first longer work that's been published. But there's, three maybe even four collections of short fiction that I now want to get my hands on and, and have a look at because I think he's a very imaginative writer and he's really like what we haven't said is how clever is it that this is where he's chosen to begin his story and this is how he structured the narrative we haven't started with oh a zombie apocalypse and here's what it is and then oh but wait you know, yeah. we know from the get-go this is what the situation is and it's not about f- pulling the rug out from under the reader in that way. It's actually about just discussing what this situation is.
1: Yeah, about. see, I love it when an author goes and says, you know what, I'm not actually interested in trying to make this be about the twist. There's going yeah. to be enough uh Yeah, this is a post-twist twist story. In just the, in just the, in, <laughs> well, there's going to be enough interest in just the premise. Well, first off, first off I could see any author going, oh, Christ, do I, I have to spend half the novel doing a pretending a zombie apocalypse when it, it's something that everyone's seen a million times before. But I can, I, I like the idea that they've said, that, that he said, well, you know what, let's just, yeah, let, let's dispel any notion of that. Well, well actually, because you don't know actually what, in the first few thousand words, you actually don't know what's happened. So that's that, right. there is a bit of a, there's a bit of a mystery, yeah. but then when, but you do find out reasonably quickly. And when you do, you go, okay, and that's really smart. And then, and then it's about exploring and unpacking that not about mm. the twists and turns of trying to uh, you know deal with that zombie apocalypse. So I, I love it. I think it's just very, it's mature. It's a very mature <laughs> and well-structured piece of writing.
0: But you could have started it not necessarily like at the beginning of the zombie apocalypse but from when he um I get I guess comes out of it. You, you could have gone through the cure. You could have had a lot of the exposition about
1: what Yeah, yeah, happening. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the opening scene could have been him walking into a pink room, which would have been yeah. a pretty effective scene. You got what's exactly. going on here, but but he decides not not to bother with that.
0: Yeah, and I think it shows the strength of Devlin as a writer that really for for a story which is a first person narrative almost you know primarily about exposition it is so engaging. It is so engaging. The voice is is really solid and it is a really engaging story even though for for a huge part of it is just someone literally Explaining to you what's happened and why.
1: Well, well actually, that I, I, I did think of you while I was reading it because it is first person, and I know you've mm-hmm. got some views on first person when people cheat, and this one doesn't because he's telling this story no. to his uh, his his iron to his side therapy
0: group. Yeah, his
1: therapy group. Now mm-hmm. it's a long story, so they had to sit there for a good hour. So, but but yeah, that's basically <laughs> what he's doing. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it it is really it is really clever and remarkably engaging for for what the story is. Um, it
1: you know it does one sheep when it when it does Leah's story.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I know, I know. That's kind of like it steps out, but it but it does it quite explicitly. It doesn't. Um, I'm really happy actually that he didn't sit there in therapy saying explicitly saying what she said. It steps yeah. out of it and and almost goes into his. You know, like. In the scene as it was, as the story, as she told it, we get it from her mouth. I'm not assuming that he's relaying every one of those words to his group. I'm assuming he will be paraphrasing what what her story was to his group, but we get it as the reader. We get it direct, and I thought that was a really clever way to do it.
1: Well, on that note, uh, we've had a few technical difficulties. We have had a few technical difficulties. Person will have edited out of the episodes, but, but... But this has been a bit of a nightmare episode to record, so I think we're going to try and get out while the going is good. Sorry, Malcolm, if that yes. means we've we've, we've short shrifted your book, but I think we can say without any question that it's a terrific novella. And I will be really searching is. out more of your short fiction. So Definitely,
0: I, um, I've I've um I grabbed one from the he on my Kindle last week actually when I went and looked him up and went oh look at all the short story collections let me get one haven't had a read of it yet but um it's there waiting and I I love love short fiction short stories I can dip in and out of them I don't have to you know wait to finish a book before I start start them again okay so next episode we are doing the first one's called Dance Move by Wendy Erskine which Ian has chosen. And then the second one is Ariadne, I Love You by Jay Ashley Smith, which I've had on my radar for way too long, um, and I, I just want to read it. It sounds really interesting. It sounds like a bit of a ghost story, but maybe not. So um, yeah, really, really keen to read it. And it, it's brought out by Meerkat Press, who are doing some really interesting work
1: at the moment. Wendy Erskine's first collection, which is why I chose Dance Move, because I love. He's a real cracker. I loved it. It's uh, Sweet Home. It came out in 2018. It's all these it's 10 stories based around characters in Belfast, and it's just in the 60s oh, nice. and 70s. It's really good. This is, oh, look, I'm not, there's no genre. I don't believe there'll be anything genre in dance move, but there could be. Who knows? I might be surprised. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just, this is, as you can see with this podcast, I'm choosing books that, from writers who I just love and uh, who's got, who've got a new book out and I want to read it. don't have time to read it any other time, so.
0: It makes me very happy because I'm getting to read a whole bunch of writers I haven't gotten around to reading before and some of whom I haven't even heard of. So yay, yay reading. <laughs> we are, all righty. We're we are, we are all a bit, uh, I think, punch drunk here, so <laughs> we'll call that done. Um, send feedback by commenting at the website, which is writerandcritic.podbean.com. You can send an email to writerandcritic at gmail.com or you can follow us at writer and critic on Twitter, um, and of course, sponsor us on Patreon if you can. Thank you to all our lovely patrons. We appreciate you. You help us keep the lights on and keep this thing running. Um, one of us may need a new laptop or a new microphone or something at some point. I've
1: got to find a new so. cord for because I know the quality of this is not great either. So I need, I need this headphone I'm using. So I've got to find a new for my little. Yeti. I've got to find a new chord for it. Anyway, I'll sort it out.
0: But but we'll work it out. Anyway, so thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next month and happy reading. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye. Am I loud?